You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law, and with me... My co-host, Paul Doroshenko. Recording here in your office today. Recording live from Kyla's office in Vancouver. It's always live in a sense. In the bright green building. We could one day do a live one where we could invite people and everybody could have a beer and listen to us do the podcast. We were talking about doing a live driving law podcast prior to the pandemic. And then we got, we were going to do it for an anniversary and we got pandemicked. So there you go. It could be something that comes back on. Yeah. You're wondering what the clicking sound is in the your office. That's clicking. the electric heater. No. So there's, yeah. No, it's heater. not. It's the bag of clips that I moved. Yeah. Sounds like the electric heater. Mm, maybe. Anyway. Well, we have lots to talk about, but you have a topic. So we'll start with that. Oh, okay. Well, I thought this was a um, something for later on in the podcast, but it is an interesting one. So the Consumer Electronics Show is on right now in Las Vegas, which is a fascinating thing. Uh, fascinating for all sorts of reasons, the history of it and what takes place there. Um, it runs alongside the same time as the um, the uh, pornography show, uh, which uh, uh, has some interesting history. So those older people may remember beta and VHS wait, tapes. Wait, you didn't, you the reason, didn't tell the me reason, we were talking about The reason porn. we went with VHS was because the porn industry went with VHS. They were both introduced to the Consumer Electronics Show, and the porn industry picked up VHS. But this year, one of the things that they've got is a BMW that can completely, you can change the color just with an app on your phone. And wow. it will... Remain the color it is until you change it again, even if you turn the car off or turn your phone off. Um, it's not like a LCD screen. It's more like a sort of Kindle-type screen, they described it. And um, graphics on your car, images on your car, not just changing the color, God. complete, like, vehicle image. And BMW says... I want one. <laughs> yeah, well, they say that it's, um, you know, less than five years from production. Um, and that's a fascinating thing because the first thing that I thought of when I saw this, I mean, I've been monitoring this years where they've talked about technology to color change cars. What happens? How, how do you identify it? So, you know, uh, police get a complaint about a red BMW, uh, driving down, uh, West Broadway where, you know, the person's driving erratically and, um, you've got a car that you can change the color in. That, but also think about the implications of people impersonating police officers, delivery people, official businesses, like the implications for potential fraud, huge. Well, sure. I mean, in Vancouver, you're supposed to, if you get a commercial permit to park in an alley, you've got to have lettering on the side of your vehicle of a certain size. Mm-hmm. So that would be something that you could change because they were they had graphics on the side of this thing. They had like drawings on the side of it, on the hood, on the you know the whole thing. Um, so I suppose there's you know that, but you know our I guess the question is, I mean, the government could make it illegal. The it, government, well, I mean, technically it is illegal because you do have to when you register your motor vehicle, 
you do have to provide ICBC with a description of the base color of the vehicle. And you're not supposed to change the color unless you go down to ICBC. And, and you have to update it. And it is a ticket if you don't update the color of your vehicle if you change it. And that includes, if you put a wrap on it, that includes letting ICBC know that that's now the dominant color of the vehicle. Okay, um, but that doesn't change the issue with lettering or something like that on it. Um, you know, you could, uh, you could change your vehicle to look like it's branded for something and still be the same color. You could change your vehicle just door colors and that wouldn't be the predominant color. Um, you know, is the predominant color one shade of red or a different shade of red? You know, is it? Yeah. There, there's so many different things that could come from that. Uh, gray and black and light gray and dark gray, you know, which is it going to be? I, I, I see a, a legislative minefield because I see the problem with policing. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I understand that people are excited about this technology. It's kind of like self-driving cars is going to require more legislation. It's like cell phones required legislation to attempt to deal with that. Um, but uh, it's a fascinating thing. Fascinating, and we'll see where this one plays out. Yeah, I suppose you could impersonate a police car. What happens if you make one fender red and one fender blue? It's not lit. It's not back lit, right? Um, from a distance, it might look like a police vehicle. Well, uh, if it's if it's lit as well, um, then there would be a problem with having impermissible lights on your vehicle. Well, I know, but it's not it's not back lit. It's just the color. Um, anyway, this was a, a fascinating thing coming out of the Consumer Electronics Show. The other fascinating thing that came out of it is uh, um, cars coming from Vietnam, uh, electric cars that are uh, very inexpensive and <coughs> quite high tech. And so we're seeing a move from, um, from Chinese manufactured products to products manufactured in Asian countries uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, China's lockdown, I suppose, has probably hurt their... Uh, um, hurt their supply chain, but also um, pressure from the U.S., Canadian, and other governments to not just rely on China. So it'll be interesting to see uh, see how that develops over the next few years. Yeah, I also saw a very interesting like concept car that's being developed with Sony and another car company. No, I mean super it's, high it's, tech it, 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 for the last few years that. From the pandemic start on, and even actually in, in 2020, before the pandemic really got going, um, of course, that was in March that things became a problem. Um, the Consumer Electronics Show was completely dull for a couple of years there. Mm -hmm. And it has its waves, right? Like, you know, one year it was scanners. Who gives a shit about <laughs> scanners now? Flatbed scanners. You can oh, scan with digital, your iPhone. <laughs> digital cameras. All those things that they sell at Best Buy that you don't really need anymore from Best Buy because your phone does it all. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, then we had some few, you know, dull years. And this year it is robots, uh, freaky advanced tech added to old things that we use day to day um and uh and cars and it's uh it's a exciting electronic show it's not it's not just drones that it was four years ago well speaking of something <clears throat> less exciting 
I wanted to talk about the BC... There's a transition for you. Yeah. The BC Provincial Courts Annual Report. Uh, they put this out every year. And, um, like, I, I like it uh, because I enjoy reading about all the things that the Provincial Court does and doesn't do and delays to trial and and judicial compliments and all that stuff. But if you're not a big nerd, then you probably don't look at the BC Provincial Court annual report. Interestingly, it contains statistics about the types of cases heard by the court in a yearly period and looks at trends year over year. And according to this year's annual report from the BC Provincial Court for 2022, um, there was a real trend over the last five years of a decline in people disputing their traffic tickets. That's fascinating to me because uh, in BC, uh, and there may be many reasons for it, the consequences of a traffic ticket are far harsher than in lots of other places. Uh, you can get a driving prohibition with one traffic ticket if you've got a N. Um, or two traffic tickets over a two-year period if you're a regular old class uh, five driver, if one of them happens to be either a cell phone or an excessive speeding. And now, uh, it, it wasn't always the case, but only in the last few years, uh, your driving record now impacts your insurance. So it used to be that ICBC, the Insurance Corporation of British Columbia, did not uh, increase your insurance on the basis of convictions in traffic court which was kind of ridiculous. They only did it on the basis of claims. Um, and my understanding was, after talking to somebody in the government about it at the time, was that they were using a DOS system mm -hmm. and they didn't want to redesign it um, under the BC Liberals. And uh, then uh, when David Eby took over, he said, look, you know, we, we are not planning on abandoning ICBC. The Liberals were trying to set it up to fail. Mm -hmm. And so they upgraded their system. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. But now, one ticket um, won't affect your insurance if it's a three demerit, but if it's a, unless it's an uh, excessive. But a four demerit ticket, four demerits on your license affects your insurance. So you would yep. think people would be more you positively think, motivated. Yeah. Since to, since the consequences are worse. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, I mean, well, I, I can think of other issues though there too. I mean, people might have greater confidence in the police right now for some reason. Mm -hmm. Although I, I think after, uh, you know, after all the videos that have come out in the last few years of uh, police screwing things up, that uh, that I thought confidence in police was lower. Yeah. Um, there's also, I would have thought that traffic ticket disputes in the last year would have risen because you have a number of cases that were rescheduled because of the pandemic, um, interrupting cases. We've also seen, as a result of Jordan, a huge decrease in the time to trial for traffic tickets. It used to be the, you know, 18 months was kind of the norm for a traffic ticket date. And now we're getting traffic ticket dates sometimes three to six months after the offense. So we have this massive decrease in a backlog, which would suggest more cases being heard. And yet there are fewer. There could be fewer traffic tickets being issued. 
That is possible. Um, and there's another factor that I hadn't really considered, and I'm just thinking about it right now, so maybe I shouldn't say it without thinking about it. But Well, I just wanted to go through the numbers, because the ahead. numbers will surprise you. <clears throat> so 2017-2018, before all of these changes, 85,979 new traffic and bylaw cases in that year. 2018-2019... 81,988, so a decrease of about 4,000 cases. 2019-2020, and that's when we're <coughs> starting to see some of the impact of the pandemic, 78,968, so 3,000 down. So no real impact by the pandemic that year. Then get to 2020-2021, 76,066 new cases, which is a decrease of only about 2,900, which is a lower decrease than in the previous years. Again, seemingly pandemic no... Pandemic doesn't seem to explain it. Yeah. Seemingly no pandemic impact. But then we get to 2021, 2022, and the number of new traffic ticket cases initiated in the court, 69,346, a 9% decrease. Yeah, see, I think that's, uh, I think that's fewer traffic tickets being issued. I think that's part of the the thing there. So you've got um, labor shortages in every police force. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that always gets cut is traffic. Traffic. Um, we um, some of the police officers who issue m more tickets in Vancouver have retired, right? And I, um, I was talking to a traffic member yesterday when I was in traffic court, and he was telling me that a bunch of the people who are currently in traffic who really enjoy it for VPD, you have a five year tenure. So their tenure was ending. They you're not supposed to reapply, but nobody applied for the open positions in traffic. So they were able to reapply for their existing jobs. Yeah. And he said half their unit was already reassigned to patrol. So there's the issue right there. I mean, there are some officers who um, think of uh, of Christensen who retired. Yeah. Um, you know, he was he was probably responsible for two thousand tickets a year. Right, mm -hmm. like he'd issue several of them every day, mm -hmm. um, and we just don't see that. And the driving seems to be worse than ever in Vancouver. Um, so I think it may be largely an issue of tickets not being um, people not being ticketed. But here's the other thing that I was thinking. You know, years ago, as you know, uh, over two decades ago, I started going to traffic court. And when I started going to traffic court, I never ran into any other lawyers. And when I would, on the very rare occasion, it was always like they were embarrassed to be there and they're there for a friend. <laughs> and I was going and I was like, I was proud to go. I was, you know, I was, but I was the only lawyer there. Sometimes I'd run into Kevin Philco mm -hmm. um, and he was like the only other guy. And, and everybody was happy to defend people who broke into cars in science world, but nobody was willing to defend people on traffic tickets, which have a huge implication for regular people. Um, sometimes it's a mistake and sometimes the police officer issues, uh, makes a mistake. But again, the, the, the police officer or the crown has to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt and you're entitled to the presumption of innocence. So why not defend it? Mm -hmm. But nobody advertised for it. And then when Kevin Filco and I created BC driving lawyers, we started advertising and saying, look, you can have a lawyer defend you on your ticket. You don't have to do the amateur hour and struggle and go in there, especially when the consequences are so high. And so we may have inadvertently with our advertising over the decade and a half now of BC driving lawyers, we may have created a circumstance where people feel that 
they have to get a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And that may be a disincentive to them disputing tickets. And honestly, you should get a lawyer if you get if you have a traffic ticket because the consequences are so severe. The amount that it costs for us to do it, I don't know what Kevin charges, but um, amount that it costs is is not a lot compared to the consequences on the compared ticket. Compared to what you're facing, and just hold the you know hold the uh, uh, the prosecution to prove their case, and if they can't prove their case, it's great. But we may have generated a idea in the public mind. Um, that you've got to get a lawyer, and that may have generated another thing in people's minds that it's a hurdle because people are are concerned about calling lawyers. I mean, it's one of the reasons that you and I try and be as open as possible, yeah, because we want people to not be scared of talking to us because we're, we're just people. We're, we're just, nice. We're just people. <laughs> Please don't hate us just because we defend people. Yeah, no, I don't think it's that they hate us because they defend people. People are scared of lawyers. They're scared of talking to lawyers. They're scared of calling up lawyers. Oh, then don't don't talk to me. Email me. I prefer that anyway. <laughs> exactly. I'm scared of you too. <laughs> yeah. You're not scared of anybody. No, I'm not scared. Point but is, though, that I, I just an email. it'd be a strange thing that if our, you know, we invented this driving law as a term, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we invented driving lawyers as a as a phrase. It never existed before. Kevin and I created it when we sat down and created BC Driving Lawyers. And now we may have inadvertently discouraged in some people's minds um, them from disputing their tickets. Well, dispute your ticket. Whether you get a lawyer or not, at least try. Well, and the thing is you can dispute it and then you can call us after you've disputed it. But uh, better if you want us to do everything from the beginning because we handle it beginning to end. If you see me in court and you're disputing your ticket, I will... (coughs) Gladly talk to you in the hallway. I've done it many times. I'm I've also lots of people hired me after they saw me in court. Yep, and I've I've had cases where I'm in court and somebody's representing themselves, and the judicial justice notices and asks me to step in and give a hand. Sometimes I've adjourned it and ended up counsel. Yep, happens. So yes, that's an interesting thing. So what else did you learn from that report that was? You know what I did learn that has nothing to do with traffic court, but has implications for traffic court? So since virtual appearances, 79% of appearances in the last year in the provincial court for the 2020... Are virtual. Have been virtual. 79%. Wow. That is efficient. And yet the court is trying to sort of push people away from remote appearances, even though the amount of uptake on it seems to suggest an embracing of it by the public as a good method to efficiently deal with matters. Um, there's a bunch of things that arise from that. Number one, uh, it's saving fuel. It's saving the carbon footprint of driving. Um, and so as a consequence, um, there's... I'm going to cut you off, Paul, because I've waited too long <laughs> for this... The Ridiculous Driver of the Week. The reviews are in. This book has been a lifesaver. If you haven't bought a copy yet, I can't recommend it enough. Thanks to the pinpoint method, I feel like I now have concrete strategies I can employ for difficult situations. Published by LexisNexis, Cross-Examination the Pinpoint Method is an essential addition to your bookshelf. Order now. Okay, let's hear it. Okay. Before I introduce our Ridiculous Driver of the Week, everybody in the world has sent me the video, which is from 
I think it's from Super Troopers or Reno 911 or one of those shows of the man who's performing the standardized field sobriety tests. Yeah. And then he starts to dance, Dance, you know, with the ball chain. It looks very legit when it starts. And then it's, yeah, bump, hip, bump, bump. Yeah, Yeah. hip, step, bump. It continues. And then at the end he goes, I can't do that because I'm drunk or something. No, I only dance when I'm drunk. (laughs) The, um, so... Of course, I, like everybody else, fell for it the first time that it was that it was potentially real until I got to the end. But never in my life, Paul, did I think that I would see a dash cam video where that basically happens. No, I haven't seen this. I know of the existence of it. Yes. So this is in Wyoming. Um, Wyoming? No, in Ohio. In Ohio. A man uh, was arrested for impaired driving, charged with uh, operating a vehicle while impaired, and he to attempt to prove that he was not impaired, he performs <coughs> a backflip, and he sticks the landing. He actually successfully does it. Awesome. Yeah. So. I don't know. That's a bad I love flip. it. Yeah. You can Google it. It's in wyomingnewsnow.tv. Um, man stopped for suspected drunken driving does backflip to prove sobriety. The police arrest him anyway. Well, remember the guy in Edson, Alberta, who sang Bohemian Rhapsody yeah, in but, the back of the police but you car? you only know the lyrics to Bohemian Rhapsody if you're drunk. Yeah, he pled guilty. <laughs> uh, but it's still a test of skill. This is a test of balance and skill, I guess, and muscle strength. I suppose if you practice it enough, just like those people in the uh, the drunks that you hear of who practice the alphabet backwards because some police officers in the U.S. tried that as a sobriety test. Uh, it, nobody can recite the alphabet backwards except people who practice it. So if you're asking somebody to do it, you're confirming that they're probably an alcoholic who has practiced it for the sake of being prepared for the yep. stop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so maybe it's a similar thing here where the guys just practice the backflip so he can do it when he's drunk. Yeah. Anyway, I love it. It's the best. You have to watch the video. It's impressive. I have adjudicated him sober in the court of Kyla Lee's opinion. So good. So here we are. It's the new year, and uh, we're going to have lots of exciting things coming up. New uh, year, new me. In uh, the <laughs> new year. I see your TikTok. You've got another you know, massively viewed TikTok. And uh, we've got lots of interesting things going on. So I'm looking forward to the podcast this year, Kyla. Yep. And uh, that's our podcast for this week. If you need to give us a call about a driving law related issue, you can call us at 604-685-8889. If you need to find us online, we're at VancouverCriminalLaw.com. And tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law.